And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. Always an honor. Today is Friday, July the 17th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1674, Isaac Watts was born. He became, would later become a minister and a well-known hymn writer. Among the many hymns that he wrote, and there were many, he wrote, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. He also wrote, When I survey the wondrous cross, on which the Prince of Glory died, my riches gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. He said, see, see from his head, his hands, his feet, his sorrow, love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? His dying crimson, like a robe, spreads o'er the body on the tree, that I am dead to all the globe, and all the globe is dead to me. And then the final stanza of that song, were the whole realm of nature mine. I can hear it. I can hear a big choir singing that this morning. I can hear a big orchestra with that choir. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Boy, we need to hear those words again and again and again. Today in 1862, during the Civil War, Congress approved the Second Confiscation Act that declared that all slaves taking refuge behind Union lines were to be set free. Today in 1918, Russia's Tsar Nicholas II and his family were executed by the Bolsheviks. Today, in 1945, following the Nazi Germany surrender, President Harry S. Truman, Soviet leader Joseph Stalin, and British Prime Minister Winston Churchill, they began a meeting at Potsdam. That would be the final Allied summit of World War II. Today, in 1962, the United States conducted its probably its last-ever atmospheric nuclear test, we detonated a 20-kiloton device. It was codenamed, the bomb was codenamed Little Feller 1. They set it off at the Nevada test site. Today, in 1975, an Apollo spaceship docked with Soyuz spacecraft in orbit. First time two superpowers had linked up. Today, in 1981... 114 people were killed when a pair of suspended walkways above the lobby the Kansas City Hyatt Regency Hotel had collapsed. They were having a what they called a tea dance. I guess you dance and drink tea. I don't know for sure what a tea dance is, but that's what it was. But it was a horrible accident. 114 people lost their life. Boy, life is uh, uncertain, isn't it? You never know. We just need to live as though we're living in the last moments of our life all the time. Today, 1997, Woolworth Corporation announced it was closing. Remember Woolworth? Yeah, they announced today in 1997 they were closing their last 400 remaining what they called five-and-dime stores <laughs> across the country. They'd been in business 117 years. I remember Woolworth. We used to go. There was one in Yakima, Washington. My mom used to go in there all the time. I don't know what she bought, but she went in there a lot. I kind of like to go in there. They had a lot of stuff. 
Today in 2009, former CBS anchor man, Walter Cronkite, he died in New York. He was 92 years old. And 10 years ago today, tens of thousands of gays and lesbians from across Europe came to Poland, to the capital, Warsaw, and they marched through the streets. That's 10 years ago today. They were demanding equal rights and more tolerance in the heavily Christian nation. Now, I happen to know some of the families that are in ministry, pastors in Poland, Polish people. I have spent time with them, stayed in their home. They probably were not too excited about this because it Poland is a strongly Christian nation. It's strongly Catholic, but it's also a lot of Protestants there. And I have worked with them. I have firsthand experience. But I remember so many times when they talked about these kinds of issues, even in the 80s, in the 70s. The people that are marching in the streets, the homosexual activists, they don't want tolerance. They use tolerance as a way to put the door, break the door open. They want to be celebrated. I say this in love because they are lost and they have rejected the God who made them. They want to be celebrated because of their sexual behavior, because they are looking for fulfillment, and they will not find it in same-sex relationships. It's only found between a man and a woman, coming together, having children, building a family. That's God's model. It's not my model. It's God's model. And to the degree that we embrace God's model, it is to that degree that we find peace and happiness and joy and fulfillment. And God did not make mankind, and he does not make mistakes, to have sexual relationships with same-sex one another. It just simply isn't God and nature's plan. So I understand that they want to feel fulfilled. They want to feel authenticated. I understand that. As a pastor, my heart goes out to them, and I've I've had them come to my church as a pastor and be saved. I've had them come to my church and mock me and leave. I mean, I understand all of it. But I will tell you, there is a path out of that kind of behavior, and there is a path around that kind of behavior. That is not God's best for you, and there's not, a, there's not enough authentication that you can get from the public to make you feel good about the lifestyle. I'm telling you that not on my own basis and knowledge, but on the basis of God's word, which is eternal truth. So they're not really looking for tolerance. They're looking for to be celebrated. And even that is never enough. NBC says the upcoming Hallmark movies, Hallmark, will include LGBTQ storylines, characters, actors, as a part of their company-wide strategy to promote diversity. Remember remember when conservatives, as lately as probably yesterday, remember when conservatives and Christians went to Hallmark movies to escape most of what the others have on their on the other channels? Apparently, Hallmark is at it again. Remember, they were doing this last year, I think last December, a year ago. But apparently, they just want to become one of the others. They just can't be distinctively 
moral and traditional. Hallmark movies are not that sophisticated. They're not that well written, but man, hundreds of thousands of people watch those movies because it's a safe, predictable alternative. But apparently they're they're trying to shed that. They want they want to embrace the homosexual community or they're caving to their pressure. NBC reported this week on Wednesday, day before yesterday. NBC said after concern that none of the 40 films Hallmark announces part of its 2020-2021 holiday lineup included that would be the upcoming included LGBTQ leads stars A representative from the company said some of the movies in its Countdown to Christmas and Miracles of Christmas programming will include LGBTQ storylines, characters, and actors, but it won't won't be this year. They're they're very carefully, it appears that they're saying it's this year, but they're saying it's next year. But nonetheless, they are saying it to NBC. Diversity and inclusion is a top priority for us, the one of the spokesman for the company said we look forward to making some exciting programming announcement in the coming months including announcements about projects featuring lgbtq storylines characters and actors this vice president of network programming publicity he says george zeratus or something like that he says uh, that that about hallmark's parent company crown media family networks he said he said we are committed to creating a hallmark experience where everyone feels welcome. Well, everybody doesn't feel welcome if you see two men kissing on a Hallmark movie. I mean, I know millions of people are about them are not going to feel comfortable, and it's not going to be a welcoming experience. He knows that. I know he knows that. Last December, Hallmark pulled, then they reinstated this Zola commercial and featured two same-sex people a couple kissing. At the time, one million moms, it's a group of Christian mothers that are associated with their part of American Family Association. They got pretty upset about this because their families watch Hallmark, like a lot of Christian families do. They were concerned about it, so they contacted Hallmark, had a sit-down meeting with them. This was last December, a year ago. And um, they said, we're going boy- to boycott Hallmark if they do this. Well, Hallmark then said, well, well, we'll pull the commercial. And they did. And they did. But the pressure came back from the activists, and the homosexual activists prevailed, and Hallmark put the ad back on their Hallmark channel. If the vice president of, of network programming actually believes that movies with homosexual characters and storylines will create a hallmark experience that everyone feels welcome to. He's on a fool's errand. I would say that he knows the Christian community will not watch those homosexual-themed movies. He probably also knows the network will be boycotted by a group like the Million Moms or some other, or many, maybe several of them, for a period of time, but I think those people know, and I know some of those people, I don't know this guy, but I know some of those people because of some of the past things we've done in the industry. And Marjorie and I lived in Hollywood, in the area, we were in the church in Hollywood for a number of years, and I know how those people operate. Those that kind of claim Christianity and claim to be, you know, kind of conservative, but 
they're very quick to affirm everybody because it's kind of a virtue signaling kind of an experience that they want everybody to know that they just love and we must love everybody. And that translates, loving everybody translates to accepting everything, no matter how destructive it may be, anti-biblical or whatever. I mean, that's kind of how these people get up and roll every day. So I don't know this guy, but I know some of the some of the people like this guy. And they know that Million Moms and other people, like hopefully most of you listening today, myself included, that they may boycott and say, we, we will boycott. We will boycott your advertisers. We will not watch your channel. And the channel is very successful. But they think they can weather that because they know that those boycotts ultimately end. And then they can, some of the Christians will just come back or if they'll, will never leave and they'll just be more selective and they won't watch a, a movie that has a gay theme to it, a homosexual theme. I know that's what they're thinking. So they will try to have it both ways. And that's what I hear in what they were saying to NBC this week. But if they follow through on this commitment, they're going to lose, in my opinion, a substantial part of their Christian viewers. They won't gain them back because the viewers, the numbers, they, they won't gain back the numbers they have now because the viewers from the homosexual community are going to expect more than Hallmark is going to be willing or able to deliver. And I'll tell you why. Because most homosexual movies are very explicit. There's a number of other channels already running gay-themed movies. No, I don't watch them. But I follow those things in the entertainment journals. And I am aware, and they have pretty good ratings, not nearly as good as Hallmark. But I know Hallmark has looked at those numbers and said, ha, we can have it both ways. Well, double-minded people are unstable in all of their ways, the Bible says. And this, I think, is an example of that. So apparently the 2020 and 2021 films are completed, but apparently from what they're saying in 2021 and forward, they'll start producing films with, as they say, gay themes in them and lead characters and the whole deal. But, you know, Hallmark, had, we'll, see, we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, Hallmark has deep roots in Christianity. In fact, the founder, his name... His name was Joyce C. Hall, like Joyce, like a woman, but, I mean, he was very much a man. He was named after a Methodist bishop, Isaac W. Joyce, who happened to be visiting their church on Sunday. His parents were very religious, very, they were Methodist. I mean, real Methodist, not united Methodist. And they were, they loved the Lord. And, and this bishop was there on this Sunday, I guess, preaching in their church or whatever. And there was the day that, that Joyce Hall's mother gave birth to him, and they were undecided on the name, so they decided to call him Joyce. And he's, he has said in, in his autobiography and other things over his lifetime, he has said, man, I lived with that, with that female name my whole life. Thanks, Mom. But that's why they named him that, after this bishop whom they, they loved very much. But at nine years old, Joyce began selling perfume door-to-door in their little town. They lived in David City, Nebraska. And when the Hall family then moved to Norfolk, Nebraska, Joyce began working in his brother's bookstore after school. When he was 16, he and two of his brothers pooled their money and they opened this Norfolk postcard company. And they, they registered it. They actually formed a company when they were 16. But there wasn't much of a market for postcards in Norfolk, Nebraska. 
So that kind of failed, so they shut it down. But at 18 years old, Joyce Hall, the founder of Hallmark, he dropped out of high school. He crammed two shoeboxes full of postcards. He boarded a train and took off to Kansas City. He began calling on bookstores and drugstores, wholesaling products that were made by others, but products he knew a lot about. Soon, his brother Raleigh joined him, and things were really going well. They began going to other towns. They went where the railroad went. They'd get on the train and go to a different town. They'd sell a bunch of stuff, come back home, calling on new customers. Soon they opened a specialty store in downtown Kansas City, dealing in postcards, gifts, books, and stationery. Five years and one day after they opened that store, it burned to the ground. The entire inventory was lost. The brothers got a loan, and they bought an engraving firm, because they'd figured out that if they could print their own stuff, they could make more money than buying it from other engravers and printers and then selling it. Rather than being a middleman, they wanted to be the manufacturer and the middleman and, you know, the sales as well and do the whole thing. Very smart. So anyway, that they bought this, they bought this engraving firm, and that set the stage for the creation of the first original Hallmark card designs. In 1923, they formed Hall Brothers Incorporated, and that corporation became the predecessor, or was the predecessor, to today's Hallmark. Hallmark has become a loved, trusted, family-centered business built on the phrase, when you care enough. And when Joyce Hall wrote his autobiography, he titled the book, When You Care Enough. Last Christmas, Hallmark Channel led all cable channels in viewers except for sports and news. They had an average of 1.7 million viewers every evening, and sometimes they've had as many as 6 and 7 and 8 million viewers, which is astounding. But during that same period, Fox News had 3.1 million viewers at the same time that Hallmark, to give you a perspective, at the same time, Hallmark had 1.7 million viewers, and CNN had 1.5. They had more viewers than CNN, night after night after night. This is not an accumulated, it's a day-by-day-by-day count. Joyce often spoke of God's blessing. His children and grandchildren are currently running the company. And the question, I think the question that they're going to have to answer now is, do they care enough to stay the course? Or are they going to jump ship like Chick-fil-A's founder, his son, has done and cave to the threats of the homosexual activists? I don't know what they'll do. I appreciate their movies. They're very predictable. They're not terribly well-written, a lot of them. But you know where they're going. I mean, they're going to end up and they're going to get together the right people. I mean, it just is what it is. But millions of people watch this because it's an alternative to all of the other garbage that you start to watch on television, and then it takes you where you don't want to go. And your children that are sitting in the home or in the family room or whatever. Well, this, this is the kind of a culture that this whole movement has created. But it isn't just the homosexual movement, but they use the same tactics whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's homosexuals, whether it's the abortion industry, whatever it is, they use the same tactics. They pressure, pressure, pressure. They they popularize their cause. They get some people that appears more than there are, in most cases, supporting them. And then they begin to turn that pressure on on business, 
and churches. It's an amazing thing what's going on in our world. In a discussion on Russian television this week, RT, it's Russia Today. It's on in America, it's on in Europe. It's probably one of the channels, if you're on cable or DirecTV or one of those, you're pro- or whatever dish or whatever, you probably have that, or you may have it on your menu. You just haven't paid any attention to it. I, I don't watch it. I pay attention to what they have on there, but I don't watch it. I just follow it in other so, from other sources. But anyway, this radical Marxist, former Black Panther, Angela Davis. Now, if you're over 40, like I am, you may remember back in the 60s of the uh, the Black Panthers and all of that. Well, Angela Davis was that black girl that was running around with them, and she has a, a very loud voice, and she was shouting at everybody and everything that she perceived to be anti what she believed. She was a real leader in the Black Pan- Panther uh, movement. And she's still around today. She's about probably, she's 76, I think. I, I think that's what I read, 76 years old. So that gives you a perspective. But she's still talking, and people are still listening. Well, she was on Russian television this week. <laughs> and uh, uh, they asked her about Joe Biden. And they said, are you going to actually vote for Joe Biden? And she said, yes, she is. And he- here's what, what she had to say. that You'll find this interesting. She said, while I'm quoting her, while Biden is by no means an ideal candidate for the racial radical left, he is the candidate who can be most effectively pressured. (laughs) I don't see this election as being, she said, I'm quoting her, I don't see this election as being about choosing a candidate who will be, who will be likely or able to lead us in the right direction. It will be about choosing a candidate who can be most effectively pressured into allowing more space for the evolving anti-racist movement. Biden is very problematic in many ways, she said. I'm still quoting her. Not only in terms of his past and the role that he played and pushing toward mass incarceration, but but I say, but Biden is far more likely to take mass demands seriously, far more likely than the current occupant in the White House. I think she's right. Biden is just going to be a a placeholder. He already said, I will be a transitional president. He just says, please, please give me the job. I just always wanted to be president. If you'll give it to me, I'll do anything. That's what he's saying. And people like Angela did, they're picking up on this. They get that. And so do all the rest of the people who are out there pressuring business, pressuring communities, and pressuring churches. Not only to advocate for them, but to celebrate them, whatever it is. It's an amazing thing. You find some of the same dynamics in the Black Lives Matter movement that you find in the homosexual movement among the activists, that you find among the abortion activists. All of this comes from just typical Marxism, cultural Marxism. That's where it comes from. Black Lives Matter, to their credit, at least the co-founders admit they, they have said, and I said, I've said on this program here several weeks ago, I, I talked about it for several minutes on this program, the fact that they have said that one, her name is Collard and the other, I can't remember the other's name at the moment, but they have both said, and they're the founders of Black Lives Matter. They've said, we are trained Marxists. 
And it says that on their website. You go to their website, and it's about everything but black lives. I mean, it's about gays. It's about transgenders. It's about all this stuff. It has little to nothing to do. Well, I shouldn't say little to nothing. I mean, there is the Black Lives Matter part of it. But they're equally advocating for abortion and and the homosexual agenda, transgenderism in particular. And all of these things, you go there, and it's pretty stunning when you when you read their their menu of of commitments. But One News Now put out a story yesterday. They too are affiliated with the uh, with with the uh, American Family Association. They're a news organization. They put out a story yesterday, and I wanted to just mention this to you. But it's they're, they're saying that Black Lives Matter is led by trained Marxists, which, as I said, we, we were saying that a couple of weeks ago here. But they're, they're, they're one, uh, one, one News Now is, is expressing concern because of this push against the nuclear family and against heterosexuality. And it is. I mean, they're right. There's a report from Capital Research Center the Daily Signal put this out. They're a part of Heritage Foundation. They're, they listed 18 major corporations that have donated to Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. That's where the money goes. In recent months, it's Amazon, Microsoft, Nabisco, DoorDash, Gatorade, Airbnb. You know all the names, and, and you know the rest of the names. But Airbnb announced in June it was splitting $500,000 between the NAACP and the Black Lives Foundation in support of their fight for equality and justice. However, when you look into this, and the Washington Times did, they call them race hustlers, and they, they found Washington Times, which is fairly conservative, they found that... 83.3% of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation money has gone to the people that are running it. They're getting rich off this money, and they've only given, and they've taken in $6 million from these people, and they've only given 6% in grants to outside organizations like local Black Lives Matter organizations, which they said the money was for in the first place, and they've kept 83.3% of it probably putting it in their own pocket. I'm just being very candid about this. So this is the kind of a world we live in. And I will tell you, it can get stressful, and it can get challenging. And sometimes we can sit and say, man, I can't take any more of this. But you can, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But to be uninformed is to, in every case, be misled. So be informed. Don't be misled. And that's why we do what we do every day on this program. I want to thank you for your support. These are difficult times. We need your support, and thank you so much for it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Have a great weekend in spite of everything that's going on. God is with you. I'll see you Monday.